I've made a million mistakes. I'll make a million more in each game, and in that game included. I wish there were things I could have done differently or changed. Unlike officials, players and coaches don't have that opportunity. They had an opportunity to get it right and they chose not to. So I find it absolutely inexcusable and unacceptable. Bob Stoops, head coach of the Oklahoma football team, referencing the calls and the missed calls in the 2006 Oklahoma-Oregon game. everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the America of America podcast. As always, I'm Will Milam and thank you for listening. If you remember from last week, we talked about the early life of Major Ridge and really getting going with the events that would lead up to Cherokee removal, otherwise known more colloquially as the Trail of Tears. This week we are circling back to quote former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki to a more recent topic of the 2006 Oklahoma Sooners football team, and today we're going to talk about one of the most controversial and infamous games, more specifically infamous set of calls in modern college football history. So to set the stage for this game, since it's been two weeks since we've talked about the 2006 Sooners football team, the Sooners opened the 2006 season with a win by the skin of their teeth over a far lesser UAB, University of Alabama Birmingham team at home in the opener followed by a somewhat better performance against Washington on the road. However, the Sooners' next game would be played against a ranked 18th-ranked Oregon team, a team that they had beaten only the previous year by late interception on the last drive of the Holiday Bowl. Oregon was ranked 2-0, ranked 18th in the country, and the Sooners would travel to Eugene to play in a stadium specifically built for amplifying noise. That's actually true. The uh, the Duck Stadium in, in Oregon is specifically made to uh, amplify noise. It's actually really cool if you look into it. Anyway, the Sooners would go into this game with a different game plan, a different depth chart than they had used in their first two games of the season. After a shaky performance in the first half of the Oregon game, the defensive coordinator of the football team, Brent Venables, who's also the greatest defensive mind in the history of college football, upended the depth chart in hopes of stopping the run game. Though we didn't get to talk about it in detail, one of the major problems with the OU football team in the Oregon, uh, excuse me, in the Washington game was that there were several big plays given up on the ground where our defensive line and our linebackers should have stopped these runs. So uh, there were changes on the O-line and the linebackers as well as the secondary. So the OU defense looked very different. Before we talk about the game itself, we have to take a step back to discuss the way officiating and video replay worked in college football in 2006. Now that we're 15 years plus into video replay and the trial and error that came with it, we forget how much these early days were really the Wild West in terms of rules and standards. The camera angles, for instance, that were used for the video replays were rudimentary at best and a far cry from the single frame 4K cameras that we both use now in college and professional football games. The Pac-10 Conference, think Pacific 10 Conference, now the Pac-12 Conference, controversially when playing away teams, 
used Pac-10 refs on the field and in the booth. Generally, this isn't done now. When you have something like this, you'll either you'll generally bring in uh, refs from a third-party conference. But it wasn't even really done universally then either, so it was even controversial at the time. But it's important to note that this game was officiated exclusively by Pac-10 refs, both on the field and on the booth. So remember that. And now we can actually start talking about the game. The game did not start out well. Oregon led the Sooners 13-6 at halftime, but the Sooners responded with two unanswered touchdowns in the third quarter to lead the game 20-13 leading into the fourth. And by late in the game, the Sooners were up 13 points, nearly a two-score lead, uh, or excuse me, nearly a two-touchdown lead with under two minutes remaining in the game. Oregon, not to be outdone, scored a touchdown and made their extra point, cutting OU's lead to six points under two minutes, about 72 seconds left in the game. What would happen next would be one of the most controversial episodes in the history of college football. As a general rule in American football, when teams are in these kinds of situations where they're kicking off down uh, within maybe one touchdown score or down really within any score, and they don't feel like that they have enough time to kick the ball downfield and to actually stop the opposing team defensively with time to score another touchdown, they will attempt something called an onside kick. I'm going to export or to import the definition of onside kick from Wikipedia, which reads as follows. Uh, An onside kick must be one. A kick must be a free kick, so a kickoff, free kick, or safety. Uh, In high school football, but not in the NFL, and the rare fair catch kick can also be recovered onside. But the rules that are important to know here are that generally for an onside kick, you have to have the ball. uh, You can either do a high kick or kick it on the ground. Well, generally they do a little bit of both. Uh, go 10 yards and be recovered by the kicking team. And if the ball is touched after 10 yards and recovered by the kicking team, the kicking team retains possession of the football and can go down the field offensively. Also, generally, if you get this recovery, you're already very near to midfield. So you've got a pretty good chance of getting yourself in the scoring position with only a couple of first downs, which is easier to do late in the game. It's uh, obviously super risky, but it can be a game changer. So that is exactly what Oregon lines up to do with one minute and 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter with Oklahoma up less than a touchdown. There is a lot of movement going on at this stage when the ball is about to be kicked. The Oregon kicker first lines up as he is about to kick it to his right side of the field where there are OU players, and then he immediately, before doing so, switches his stance to actually kick the ball to the left side. Oregon sends a couple players to the left side to add to their uh, recovery team and the ball is kicked and it is touched near 10 yards and there is a scrum for the ball. The ball moves from the middle of the scrum to the back of the scrum on the OU side and the play is called dead. Now, nobody has any idea what's going on right now. You can see clearly from the TV angle, even though the TV doesn't really show it, that the OU players in the back of that scrum on their side have possession of the football and they're running around with the football. But the officials are still going through the scrum and where the ball originally touched. And it looks like a lot of the players and maybe the officials, maybe the officials truly thought that the ball was in that scrum. And then on the field, the, uh, the referees call it for Oregon, saying that Oregon has possession of the football. And immediately, there's a lot of reviewing. Um, If you watch the ESPN broadcast, 
because we have no idea what's going on. We're not really even sure what the call on the field was, but it's assumed that we're going to get a good look at the replay and that the refs are going to get a good look at the replay and we're going to figure out exactly what happens. So if you're watching that ESPN broadcast and you have only a couple angles to see, but those angles certainly show pretty clearly that what happened is that the Oregon kicker kicks the ball to the left side of the field where the ball is touched by an Oregon player about eight yards. Remember, eight yards is two yards shy of the 10 yards where you have to touch it for the ball to be live. And the ball is touched eight yards before going into a scrum between OU players and Oregon players. The ball is kicked to the back of the scrum on the OU side where an OU player recovers the football and starts walking away. In the rules, uh, that play should be called dead at where the ball was touched at the eight yards after the kick because the ball has to be kicked 10 yards before it can actually be a live ball, especially if it's touched by the kicking team. Secondly, even declaring the ball live at that point, it's very clear that the end, at the end of the scrum, it is an OU player and not an Oregon player that comes up with the football. You can see this in the ESPN broadcast because when the officials on the field call that uh, make the call that Oregon has uh, possession of the football, OU players are immediately tugging at the shirts of the refs, pointing them towards the OU side of the field where OU players are standing with the football. So the ESPN commentators at this point in the game are starting to take a look at the instant replay of this onside kick, which pretty clearly shows that, oh, an Oregon player touched this ball eight yards from where it was kicked, therefore the play is dead, and even if so, it looks like OU recovered the football. Um, at this point, they begin, as we talked about in the early part of this episode, this was very early on in the days of official reviews using video evidence, as well as coaching challenges. So the idea is it's got to be something like indisputable video evidence. No one's really sure what the standard is. Uh, it sounds like some phony legal standard, but it is pretty clear that OU should retain possession of the football, ice this game. This should be OU's game. To put in perspective what was going through the commentators' minds, the a verbatim statement was, there's no question in my mind, Dan, this has got to be OU's football. It was not controversial. There was really nothing up for debate. It was clearly Oklahoma possession. So the call goes up to the booth for review and all the, and everybody is sitting there waiting quietly for the refs to come back and say that it's OU's football. And we wait and we wait and we wait. And finally, the ref comes back, takes off his headset and walks over to walks over to his part of the field where he announces to the crowd and the people watching on television and says, after review, there was conclusive video evidence that the ball was touched by the receiving team, or more specifically, the receiving team's player, which makes the ball alive. The result of that comedy of errors was that Oregon got the ball, that Oregon was Oregon, Oregon successfully did their onside kick, even though they didn't, and Oregon now has really good field possession with one minute and six seconds left in the game down less than a touchdown. Now, back on the ESPN broadcast, the commentators wasted no time to say simply, that's a bad call. No, no other commentary, no, no addendums, no, no adjectives, just that's a bad call. The call is wrong. The call is inaccurate. Uh, what the hell is going on here? To which the commentators add, the ball was touched first by an Oregon player. This means that rather than making the play live, that ball should have been dead. So now we're in the quandary of, oh, you still up, but oh my gosh, 
We have been cheated. All the momentum is with Oregon. What are we going to do? And that's when Oregon starts to march down the field. And we have our second worst call of the game when uh, second. I mean, this was also a very bad call where Oregon attempted a pass, which was incomplete. And the OU defenders were called for pass interference, which at the time was 10 yards and an automatic first down. Now, I believe it's a spot foul. But the problem with that call is that the ball was clearly tipped at the line of scrimmage, which makes the ball live, which means that you wouldn't get a pass interference call. So for the second time in over a minute, the refs decided to cheat OU out of the game. Uh, Oregon finished with a touchdown pass, which ended the game effectively, and OU lost this 2006 Oregon game. Afterwards, sparks began to fly. ESPN called the decision to award Oregon the ball on that uh, on that onside kick a quote obvious mistake, and then the Pac-12 the Pac-12's policy of using its conference referees for these interconference games uh, began to come into some controversy because a conspiracy theory, well, conspiracy theory is a negative and derogatory term, but a theory developed that actually what had happened was that the Pac-10 referees decided to give the game to a Pac-10 team to increase their stock. Uh, this, there's been some, this, this theory has gained some weight over the years, but it seems to have been overshadowed by the fact that instead of the refs being crooked, they were just bad. The president of the University of Oklahoma, former Oklahoma governor and Oklahoma senator, David Boren, who, boy, has more than a couple episodes that we could do about him, read a letter to the Big 12 commissioner asking for the loss to be erased from Oklahoma's record. That didn't happen, but it should have. Bob Stoops threatened to cancel the 2008 game scheduled at Oregon, or excuse me, scheduled at Washington because he didn't want uh, to be governed by Pac-12 refs again. Excuse that error, Pac-10 refs. So the Pac-10 conference, under incredible amounts of scrutiny and pressure, suspended the entire officiating crew, and this included both the on-field and the the up-in-the-booth staff, for all of a single game. The booth replay official, Gordon Reese, requested and actually took the rest of the season off after that and was later quoted as saying, I feel so bad I missed that call. It's driving me crazy. So I guess in the long run, at least we're all on the same page that the call was incorrect and that even the replay officials will say that it was incorrect. But it doesn't matter in the end. Uh, Oregon would go on to be three and zero, which I guess if there's any sort of uh, if there's any sort of um, com- comedic justice or poetic justice to this, Oregon season would go downhill from that point on. Oklahoma, unfortunately, would now be two and one instead of three and zero, and drop down to being number seventeen in the country. This would, of course, inflame Oklahoma fan- Oklahoma fans, but also be the first road or the first major stump, the second or third major stumbling block. It would be the most dramatic and wild and really, I think, poetic season in the history of OU football and would start a grudge match between Bob Stoops and Oregon that wouldn't actually be settled until 2022 at the Alamo Bowl, in which Bob Stoops came out of retirement to get his revenge game. 
And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that is the story of the worst call, or in my opinion, the worst or one of the worst calls in the history of college football that just so happened to be against the 2006 Oklahoma Sooners, who were already struggling with a series of unfortunate events at that point. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I, I did not enjoy making this episode. This just made me angry and upset and sad and whatever the opposite of nostalgic is. Um, but I always do enjoy bringing you this content. And next week, we'll be back with another edition of our series on the Trail of Tears or Cherokee Removal uh, through the life of Major Ridge. And we will get to see uh, the development of his life and where he gets the term major from, as well as his son, John, and the other cast of characters uh, in this American tragedy uh, after another American tragedy. And with that, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, I look forward to seeing everybody next week, and I hope you have a, uh, I hope you have a good Monday, and I hope this didn't, uh, this didn't down your Monday too much. But with that, I'm Will Milam. This is the America of America podcast. Thank you for listening.